0: This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negrates.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Rose. Thank you, Matt Tompkins. We are joined today by one of my favorite people in Omaha, and I think somebody that immediately connects to Creighton University and what's really great at Creighton University and the Omaha community, and that's former Omaha Central standout Creighton Blue Jay Josh Jones. How you doing, my man? It's great seeing you again. What are you up to these days?
1: Oh, man, Um, I guess I got a social entrepreneurial spirit, if you want to say. Um, Community Center Director at the Salvation Army. Um, Also, uh, I work with the developmental disability with my own agency. full-time dad, full-time husband, and, uh, you know, just just being me, man, you know.
0: Well, just being you is good enough. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Josh's story, um, he was one of Nebraska's top high school basketball players, and he signed with Creighton and had his career headed toward the potential of ending up in professional basketball. And then one day, you know, the lights went out on the floor. What do you, you just collapsed on the floor and Ultimately diagnosed with a uh, heart condition that eventually ended Josh's basketball career, went on to uh, get a degree from Creighton University. But you know that was a lot. That, that's moving on ten some years ago, man. What do you remember about that night uh, on the floor?
1: Um, I remember it figuratively and literally. <laughs> um, to be honest, man, um, what I remember about that day, I believe it was like December. 6 or something like that of 2012 um i just remember all these emotions of just um the past 10 years of my life you know being um you know just playing in front of uh, the stage of the state of nebraska city of omaha and stuff like that and uh, this is just going to be my last time so i just had a lot of emotions of um like nostalgia but also excitement to try to compete against nebraska um Unfortunately, the things that happened, I mean, we can kind of get into that the more you um talk with me, but um I was I was ready, I was excited, man. I don't regret anything that happened, but um I just wanted to play one more time in, in front of the state.
0: And you since have become sort of the face of what an athlete can become when suddenly their dreams disappear. Uh, a lot of guys go into a tailspin, Josh. You know, they're their focus almost from the time they can remember was I want to be a professional athlete. I want to be a professional basketball player. I've given everything right. mind, body, right. and soul to that. And then it's over. Um, and yet you've, you've flourished since then. What was your attitude when it was pretty clear you couldn't play basketball anymore? Where did you cha- Where did where did you be channeling your energy?
1: Um, honestly, I channel my energy from understanding that sports didn't necessarily like build my character it just kind of revealed to me who I actually am. Uh, Growing up in North Thummel Hall, where I feel like um, to a big degree, just because of the disadvantages, um, like I can have all the reasons to fail or all the reasons to flourish, according to me allowing my my mentality. It's all about my mentality changing my circumstances versus my circumstances changing my mentality. So um, yeah, I did have hoop dreams for sure, but once, you know they were taken away due to my heart condition. I just kind of thrive off uh, understanding that like sports was just a platform for me to really recognize who I really am and figure out what I'm capable of doing. You know,
0: find out there's a lot more to you than just the ability to play basketball.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, and for me, um, uh, I did. Like I said, I I thought that's uh, in the midst of that. I thought that sports was going to be a, my avenue and ticket, pretty much to like changed my life. But to be honest with you, it, it it did write my ticket. It allowed me to get a free degree from Crate University. It allowed me to be a, um, I consider myself honestly a cultural ambassador because I'm working for my own community, but I'm trying to bridge the gap between everybody. Um, but also, you know, it just allowed me just all the opportunities I got today. So um, I always encourage everybody who does want to play sports to like, just go hard as you can, go all in, uh, with what you're doing, but understand that at some point, whether you retire from it or it retires you first, it will come to an end.
0: Visiting with Josh Jones, former Creighton standout on this Nebraska Greats podcast. We're really proud of the Nebraska Greats Foundation, Josh, of, of how we were able to become involved with you and your family. Um, and for us, it's a mission uh, that we just embrace every day and are so pleased and proud and fortunate to be a part of it. But talk about, the circumstances for you, you mentioned you came from North Omaha and most college kids don't have a whole lot of cash anyway. Suddenly right. you're, you're faced with some major medical bills and it wasn't just you, it was your family too at the same time.
1: Right. Um, well I grew up where, you know, I was lucky enough to have both parents, you know, in my household or whatever. Um, my dad was born in 1948, the late John Jones, senior He is from Teletoba, Mississippi. Um, uh, He came down here literally with a dollar and a dream, if you want to say. Um, He didn't ever work or be employed by anybody, so he was, you know, just big on masonry uh, work, carpentry, and stuff like that. And um, my mom was his backbone and support system. Uh, She did home daycare, so we kind of like, to me, like I never really knew how great or bad, if you want to say, depending on how you look at it, we were actually living. I was just thankful to have. Two parents that took care of me, just humble about the situation. Um, but the older I got, I recognized that we didn't have a lot of financial resources at all. All we had was my connections from um, uh, you know, me playing basketball and uh going to school and stuff like that. So once I finally got into the situation where I was um, if you want to say like burdened with doctor bills uh from, you know, my own health circumstances, like to this day um you know the nebraska greats foundation had like i'm so grateful and thankful because um if it wasn't for the foundation i don't even know how i would uh, be able to cover that on top of manage everything i'm managing and a fun fact to those guys out here um in the world who support the foundation who don't know it was originally called the husker greats foundation right they met josh jones And, um, I needed some help, man. And, uh, you know, uh, not saying that the foundation was only geared toward Huskers, towards Huskers, but it was started by, you no know, uh, UNL, uh, if you want to say a, yeah. mom, you know, a lot know, Huskers like
0: around this thing in the beginning, there you go yeah. with a
1: bunch of Huskers around it, you know, I'm a Sker, so don't yeah. be offended by me. <laughs> uh, but, um, like just the fact, you know, the fact, if you want to even talk from that standpoint, the fact that, Huskers will outreach to a Blue Jay to try to help. It's, it's bigger than that. You know, it's about, you know, the student athletes, it's about the people who gave so much to the fans and the people into the universities that needs help. So I am grateful to this day. And, um, like, um, I love Hus- the, sorry, Nebraska Greats Foundation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all good Josh, you know. It's true. Um the foundation began as the Husker Greats Foundation because it was founded by, you know, a bunch of Nebraska football players, but suddenly, it took about 15 seconds after right. we met Josh Jones, we said, "Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This ain't right. It, it, there's no way this can be the Husker Greats Foundation because what that's going to say to potential recipients who might have gone to Nebraska, like a recipient from Creighton or Bellevue University or Kearney or Wayne, right? It's going to say, "Well, right. Right. i heard about the husker greats foundation but that's not me because i went to Bellevue so we immediately yes. changed to Nebraska greats exactly. Foundation
1: i'm a pioneer and man i'm a pioneer you are buddy you blaze trail
0: Clear are on a brush you know you're out there and building roads for us yeah uh, and the truth is now we actually serve of all of the 16 schools in nebraska we have served recipients from nine of the 16 schools man. and we had we had our first one from Wayne state earlier this uh this year we've already Served two in the year 2021. We served 28 since 2014. So we're off to a big start here. Oh, I mean, I
1: I think that's that's a great deal. And for me, um, the reason why, like, I feel I have a little different perspective than any other recipient because I feel like I was with you guys from the start. You know, um, there you guys had a vision and a dream to pretty much help anybody in need. And like I mentioned, you know, in a jokingly way, you guys did kind of change the narrative to outsource to me and make it make sense, and I do. I'm grateful for that. But um, when I see other recipients from Wayne State, uh, Bellevue University, and other places of some sort, I am thankful that I actually was nothing but a vessel, you know, to the network of others in need.
0: And he was. Josh Jones was our first non-Husker recipient and uh, the first Creighton Blue Jay, and we hope that many, many more Creighton Blue Jays are a part of our roster, our family of recipients at the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Let me talk a little bit about uh, basketball today, Josh. You, you mentioned you've been out of it almost 12, almost years since 2012. That was when your basketball career ended, but then your life started in many, many ways. But today's college sports with the transfer portal and the name, image, and likeness opportunities that never ever existed before, it's gotta be very hard now to coach a college basketball team, because you know, you got to recruit guys, but you need a team. Only five guys get on the floor, and football right. only 11 people get on the field at the same time. It's an entirely different world out there. And what's your take on it?
1: Um, my take on it is sports has evolved so much. I'll speak first to the athlete. Um, I mean, you got Steph Curry shooting from half court routinely. I mean, you got guys in the NFL such as Lamar Jackson, such as Pat Mahomes, who are doing things that, like, if you really wanted to, they can play cornerback and quarterback, receiver. They can play so many dynamic positions, but they're throwing the football. The athlete has evolved so much within the world we're in today. I believe that sports is actually entertaining to a new level. Um, When it comes to the coaching and things like that or whatever, I say that the coaches um, have evolved because they're trying to adapt to um, today's athlete. The thing about that that I think um, that is most important is not about actually sports in general. It's about the society that we live in today. Um, it's evident and obvious that, um, you know, we're, we're in a world today when there is a lot of division. There's a lot of political views. There's so many different type of turmoil type situations. Um, I think it makes it even more hard for coaches to recruit and players to actually choose a school according to what's going on today.
0: Visiting with Josh Jones here on the Nebraska greats podcast. If you'd like to be a part of our organization, we'd love to have you. If you have any affinity whatsoever for former college athletes from any of the 16 schools in Nebraska, please help us out. Go online at negreats.org. That's negreats.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Josh, Creighton University, one of the top 20 programs in college basketball today, after it joined the Big East Conference in 2013, that was a game changer for you. And the Jays have become a perennial contender for mm-hmm. the Big East Conference championship, which makes you a perennial contender for the final four,
1: because mm-hmm. it's
0: one of the top conferences in all of college basketball. Uh, right. Growing up and watching Creighton is a great opportunity for you to go. But did you ever see the Jays as a perennial contender uh, for a, literally a top ten finish and a Final Four appearance, as they are now.
1: Um, that's a great question. Honestly, I never seen that because I, um, like, I had hoop dreams of myself of just being a young kid, and I was in awe of Kobe Bryant. I, you know, just being seventeen years old in the NBA at that time, and um, you know, just doing what he was doing. So I was skipping. I wasn't even thinking about college basketball to say. You know, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant um, and all those others who, um, you know, died in a tragic accident. But um, I'll say this to you: I can't speed it up to when I actually got a chance to play for Creighton myself, and um, I never fathom Creighton being where it is today until I was actually in the position to, along with the other teammates that I had, um, at that particular time, to actually compete. Um, I'm not trying to toot our horn, but our teams were so good at that particular time in the Valley towards our um, ending years. I mean, we had Doug McDermott, who was the best player in the country. You know, we had Gregory Echenique who transferred in from Rutgers University. Grant Gibbs went to Gonzaga. Ethan Rocky could have went to Marquette. I can keep going down the lines of other quality guys. On my senior year, we led every second of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament All but forty-eight seconds, and that's when it was tip ball, and Wichita State scored the first two points on us. We dominated, Uh, and I say that to say that I knew where we were evolving, but um, I didn't know that we would be as elite so quick. I've seen us going to the level we're at, but it's just surreal still to be a part of that and to see and recognize where we're at today.
0: Talk about Coach McDermott. Uh, I know you've been you've gotten very close to that family. His family has gotten very close to yours. Yeah. Uh, talk about him as a coach and what, make, what made him and what made the staff uh, when you played for them different and how did they make you a better person, a better player? Uh, how did they make you what you are today?
1: Um, I think that overall, um, coach McDermott, um, and then his staff follow suit because obviously he put people on his team that kind of mirror, uh, his vision, um, the thing that made Coach McDermott so great to me as a coach when I played, and even still, in my opinion, a great coach now is the simple fact that he's a players coach. That he just simply allowed me to be me. Um, I'm one of those players, or I was one of those players, if you want to say, who was more so swashbuckling, like you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't see a shot that I don't like. You know, I got a lot of co- <laughs> more confidence in myself than, the, than I actually do in the team but the team has more confidence in me than I actually understand, you know, so just getting under, you know, coming from central high school, it's not about any accolades I had, but just like the type of player I was, Um, he allowed me to be myself and learn how to uh, mold my strengths and fit them into our offense. Um, As far as how close we got, the reason why we got so close, it it did start with that um, players coach relationship, allowing me to be myself. But over time, it allowed me to allow him to be himself within the same sense. And uh, we developed a chemistry and um, uh, he's really had my back on and off the court, you know, um, and it's a tough situation uh, f- uh, for me with Coach McDermott, obviously what's going on in the world, t- what's going on with his past comments with, you know, prior weeks. Uh, but um, it's tough for me because, um, you know, I know him by character because of, you know, what he's personally done for me, but also what I've seen him do to my other teammates and people he's encountered. Uh, But um, it's just um, unfortunate that um, it's a trick, it's a tricky dynamic when you, when talking to a guy like myself about it.
0: What was your we The the story was the national sports story of the day. It lasted several years, uh, several years, several days. Right. What was your reaction? What was your first reaction when you saw that? Or did he call you ahead of time before it got out publicly and you knew about the plantation remarks before they got to the public sphere? But Josh, knowing what you know about him personally and the relationship that you've had with his family and you have with his family, what was right. your first reaction?
1: My first reaction was confusion for the simple fact um, that I know him. But in that moment, I was like questioning myself, like I do know him. And so for me, the biggest thing is um, once I uh, digress and had the an opportunity to call, to to uh, actually, oh, I'm sorry, he, um, for him to actually call me and us to have di- uh, dialogue where we called each other back and forth, um, I'll, I'll be quite frank here, you know, cause I feel like um, I'm in a position where I think that I can move a lot of people together. And when I say a lot of people, I mean, black and white, I mean, uh, inner city and uh, suburban community and things of that sort. Um, It's hard to speak so great on somebody I know so personally, publicly, because his words aren't the issue. The issue is actually the world that we live in and how we are all in our own comfort zones. And um, on so much defense, from the inner city community, but on but on the um, opposite side, if you want to say the um, suburban community, there is just no effort for um, education and understanding. And that's not to everyone, you know, um, but it's to 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 the the masses, the overall perspective. Um, on one side, me speaking on how I know Coach McDermott personally can allow the black community to be frustrated because the black community sees things as, well, you speaking on behalf of him will make, the assumption is you will make the white community feel like it's okay. If I speak on behalf of him to the white, you know, and the white community perceives it, the white community will go like, oh man, what a great guy. And then there is a potential chance that the white community still stay comfortable and life stays the same. And the problem is everybody has to get uncomfortable and have the hard conversation but do more and have actually plans of action and have presence to uh, pretty much elevate competency. That's the issue. And me, the reason why I took a stand is because I feel like within who I am as myself, I was the same as a player. Adversity is a fuel to the fire of success. And I am not afraid to take a stance for someone that I know personally Uh, and he and I together I believe that we can bridge the gap with action, not just words.
0: This is this is a very educational time for I think the country, and it's a little uncomfortable. And I think that's I think to your point about adversity, Josh. That's really it. We're visiting with Josh Jones, former Creighton standout uh, on the Nebraska Greats podcast. Uh, but you said something to me earlier in the week that struck me as as probably the the central theme, and that is this. Uh, you may not think it's insensitive to say that right. maybe you, you may not even be a racist or you may not have bigoted feelings. Exactly. You just say it because you've heard it before or you heard it growing up and, and nobody ever made a big deal out then. Right. But the education part to me, Josh, comes in understanding that that is insensitive to somebody, to somebody. Okay. That's what matters. Somebody. And, and that doesn't even make them overly sensitive. That just means, no. you know what, that is that is something that is offensive to me. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I just want you to appreciate that, you know, I know, I don't think you're a racist. I don't think you're somebody who who doesn't like people of color or wishes right. they were somewhere else. But By you saying that, you may dismiss it as, oh, it's no big deal. Right. But it is to somebody.
1: And that's what matters. And the thing is, um, I'll say this. Um, Racism, systemic racism, and anything that even talks about inequality, inequality, no matter what race, but specifically in our case, uh, white versus black, or black versus white, or however you wanna like explain that, it's very complex because, in my true opinion, um, and this is what I told Coach McDermott, you know, uh, I guess I'm giving you something I didn't give everybody else it's not up to coach McDermott to necessarily just come talk to black people. It's up to coach McDermott to talk to white people. You know, he needs to talk to white people about what he understands and, um, I can talk with them with him, but, but, um, I say talking within action. I'll I'll say it in a better sense of term. It's up to coach McDermott and all white people to hold other white people accountable. Uh, for competency and understanding. It's up to black people to talk to black people about their understanding of white people to each other so we can work out our own heart issues first. How can we come together when we can't even uh, get right with ourselves?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's what it's about.
0: Or when we can't even agree on the problem. There you go. Um, but Josh, you came from a, an intact family, which is rare for anybody today. It doesn't right, matter who yeah, you To be are. honest, you know, yeah. Most people, a lot of people are growing up with one parent, which is not good. You know, you were fortunate to grow up with two parents. Right. Um, and you, you know, you have every intention and by looks of things, you're going to pull it off that your kids are going to have two parents when they grow up. But is there any, and, and this, do you appreciate that uh, many in the white community will see some of the. Cultural, popular culture, music lyrics, um, the way that uh, folks talk to each other as a bit confusing, because, you know, yes. in the black community, you will see black artists um, use terms that we would, that the white people would never, ever use. Right. When speaking to a yeah, black or person. Should use. Yeah, understood. Or should use. Um, yeah. And, and they, they see things that are done. Yeah. They say, well, OK, does it really yeah. matter that and much that, And
1: that is why I said uh, racism is so complex because it's kind of like, everybody has like a absolute um, perspective or a a teeter tottering, um, trying to understanding um, um, perspective. Um, When it comes to, for instance, um, when it comes to like lyrics of uh, African-American culture, um, from as a black American male, or just a black person in general, um, it is the culture of black people. And yeah, I do agree that like, it does make sense if you just like condemn all words that mean racial things. But yes. like, I believe that like, we're at a time where things have happened so much that like, it's hard to cancel uh like the culture of that type of thing in general. But I believe that you have to cultivate the situation. Like, that's why I said it's so complex, because, like, at the end of the day, if we try to harp on what one culture could do to itself to be better, like, I feel like it's hard to, like, actually blend cultures together in general, because at the end of the day, culture is culture. You know, um, black culture is black culture, white culture is white culture, and so many things. But even then, that can be complex. So, that is a real question. And I think the answer I'm gonna give you without trying to like talk around, I'm not trying to talk around it, but I'm trying to find the words. I yeah. think it's simply that is, is, I think this is it. That's fair. And that is honestly true. Sometimes you can be your own problem, you know, uh, before you even try to fix a problem. And that's why I said it's a lot of implicit and explicit biases going on in the world. It's so yeah. complex. It is so complex.
0: Because like, I know because I know uh, that there are many, many folks in the African-American community who don't like it when other African-Americans and other blacks so cavalierly throw certain right, terms. Around, right. Or and they then make the devil's reference.
1: advocate is, uh, hey, well, you say it. If you think that, right. why do you even say it to yourself? That's right. That, that right. Is, that's a true. That's a true, true statement. And that's why I said it's so complex. Me personally or whatever, like. I try to live morally and not uh, live in that light and say those type of things or whatever, because I got a son and I don't want my son to have the wrong uh, perception of things either. So my moral character is a little different than all those with other opinions. So it's like you're dealing with trying to deal with people who are more conservative, more liberal, some, but in between you're trying to talk to all these people about like their different perspectives and figure out how we can blend it together. I think at the, I think at the baseline uh, understanding what matters the most right now that can actually push the envelope forward a little bit because it's so complex is just uh, equality with um, opportunity and equality with um, integration. That's what I think. I think I'm more focused on opportunity and integration um, because what you're saying is like um, like third tier. Um let's let's fix it because you're I don't think you're wrong, man. I don't think you're wrong at all, you know. But the devil's advocate to that is this. Um, I've heard people say this, and to some degree, I think I personally can understand and feel this myself. Um, that wasn't a word get that black people made up.
0: No, just oh, made it as a you see what, saying? Right. Like, what I'm saying? Like that word came from the white community. That word right. came from the white community, yeah. So
1: imagine uh an oppressed person trying to find empowerment out of adversity. And they make a terminant of endearment to each other out of something that was uh, derogatory. So that's why I said it's so complex, like yeah. from both sides, you know, like both sides.
0: Because I think I think the white community, Josh Jones, wants I don't think I don't think most white people in this country are prejudiced or racist. I think there are some uh, I don't think a lot of them, I think there are some and the ones that that are get a lot of attention and they unfortunately create a lot of, uh, ill will and, and, and violent, a lot of sensitivities. Right. But I think most are interested in saying, gosh, help me out. Okay. I'm willing to learn and listen and say, Hey, look, that's something I shouldn't say. Okay. It's like, right. and I'll give you another example. A lot of people cavalierly, you know, use the term, you know, Hey, we got to keep these people on the reservation or this, or yeah. there's a term in baseball, you know, that balls off the reservation. Okay. Well, right. The native Americans, That is just as bad as plantation. There you go. The reservation was an an American institution, a set-aside piece of property where they forced all Native Americans to reside.
1: Yes. Uh, Things like that. There's three words that mean the same thing. And I'm glad I'm able to have this, um, like, if you want to say uncomfortable conversation, because uh, it's important, you know? It's okay. There's three words. Plantation, reservation, and concentration. all mean the same sensitivity like and that is why like um it's important that we all understand what it means to other people that that is why it's important that like you don't even don't like set the problem with people is this is a hard issue at the end of the day you have to in order to have compassion you have to you have to lament And that's the only way you can have compassion. I have to set aside, like, for for instance, lamenting means to uh, relate or understand. Mm -hmm. So I'm a spiritual guy. So if I can use from a spiritual perspective, um, when Lazarus died, even though Jesus Christ was going to be able to raise Lazarus from the dead, you know, he lamented and he cried. The savior of the world, you know who knew he can bring somebody back to life, wanted to show that he understood how much that it actually hurts for death. And he cried with the family and then he rose him from the dead. Mm -hmm. So we have to deny our own feelings of what we think about something and just be understanding to what it means to someone else.
0: Well said Josh Jones. Hey, it's been great talking to you and catching up my man. I can't wait for the next time we get together and we're so proud of Josh Jones and what he's done, not only since his, Really uh, just very scary health problem, but what he's done with it since. And he also said something that sticks with us all the time, and that is this. Because the Nebraska Greats Foundation came through for me, I now have the ability to go out into my community and serve other people. 100%. And, uh, there well, is no greater testament to what the Nebraska Greats Foundation means than that. John, have a wonderful day. Uh, I'm sure this time of year you love because it's basketball season, and we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Hey, you guys be great. Thank you. That's Josh Jones, former Creighton Star basketball player, and this is Jim Rose. Thanks to all of you for joining us. And again, please uh, help us out online if you want to be a part of this foundation in any way at negreats.com. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at negreats.org. And be sure to follow the N.E. Greats on Facebook and Twitter.